This podcast is brought to you by the Albany Public Library main branch and the generosity of listeners like you. What is a podcast? God, Daddy, these people talk as much as you do. Razib Khan's unsupervised learning. Hi guys, you know that genetics plays a huge role in our health and more people are using genetic testing to determine risk for diseases like cancer for themselves and their kids than ever before. So I wanna tell you about ORCID. It's the only company that does whole genome testing for embryos, testing before your child is born. If you're doing IVF, this is a clear choice now because now you can reduce risk for thousands of single gene disorders, including heritable forms of autism, pediatric cancers, and birth defects. Check them out at orchidhealth.com. Hey, everybody. This is Razib Khan with the Unsupervised Learning Podcast. So usually on this podcast, I don't really uh, talk about things that are newsworthy. But today I'm going to make an exception um, because uh, I am talking uh, to some individuals who have some information, some viewpoints to offer about something that is uh, happening today in our world that I have spoken about um, on various platforms. Uh, Those of you who know me and follow my work uh, know that I have spoken about uh, the purported caste discrimination in the United States uh, among Indian Americans or brown people more generally. And you guys know my viewpoints on this, which I I express very strongly, uh, vociferously and repeatedly, Um, mostly because my own perspective is I think that there are some lies uh, that are being constructed uh, before our faces. And when you see lies, uh, being created, you should speak up if you're in a position to, and I think I am in a position to, so I have. But, um, you know, I'm speaking to a couple of individuals here who are in a position to uh, speak the, you know, truth, uh, and not their truth, but truth, I hope, um, as we have this conversation uh, about caste discrimination in the United States, and in particular, um, the caste bias case uh, that was uh, lodged against an individual uh, who I uh, will be speaking to um, that is associated with um, the Cisco case is what it's called. Uh, and it's been reported in Bloomberg and that's been copied everywhere uh, in kind of a game of telephone. So we're kind of going to the source here. Um, I want to talk about the personal experiences, the perspectives and the social and cultural context. Um, obviously I have a viewpoint and I'm going to let my guests express their vo- viewpoints and hopefully uh, the listener will find this edifying, and then you can make your own decision. So uh, I am here with uh, Sundar and Suda. Uh, can you guys introduce yourselves first, and then we'll get into it? Sure. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm Sundar Ayer. Um, I've been in the United States for more than 25 years, um, immigrant from India, uh, been in Silicon Valley for uh, more than 20 years, uh, mostly in the tech and tech entrepreneurship space. And uh, I also have the current infamy of being the main manager in the Cisco cost discrimination case. So that? Yeah, just to be clear, yeah, just before Suda says, just to be clear, you are the individual uh, against whom the complaint was lodged. That is correct. I'm the primary manager in the case, and I think 95 plus percent of all complaints have been lodged against me. Okay. Okay, Suda, you do your thing. Go. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you, Razib, for giving us time to talk about this important topic. My name is Sudha Jagannathan. I also am an immigrant from India. I have lived in uh, California for 40 years. Uh, And I have to tell you, I never, I personally never faced caste discrimination in India. That doesn't say that doesn't exist in India, but we are not talking about India. We're talking about United States. 
I never face caste in any of my networks, uh, either professionally or in my private um, engagements at all. And I, it's only in the last three years I've started to stand up and identify myself as a practicing Hindu of Bahujan identity. And that also I feel very sad about because it's something we don't have to really indulge in. But when we are attacked on the basis of an identity and the uh, and the people who are lobbying caste uh, bombs at us claim to stand for the oppressed people, I feel like it's my duty to stand up and say, hey, I'm one of those that you're trying to save. I don't need saving. Uh, we should be left alone to uh, live our American lives. So that's why I'm here today with uh, Sundar mm. and you. Yeah, and a lot of the listeners are going to know what Bahujan is, but a lot of them are not. So can you just define what Bahujan is? You know, these terms like Dalit and Bahujan are not legal terms, okay, at all. These were terms coined just to bundle up a bunch of, uh, um, I would say, communities, uh, particularly in India, for all sorts of agendas. And um there is no legal uh, Dalit or Bahujan in India. There is scheduled caste and scheduled tribes that are um, afforded certain benefits by the government. But so the Bahujan uh, would form, Dalits are so-called oppressed communities, and a lot of uh, Jatis and caste come into it. It's not just one caste. There is no caste called Dalit, right? Same thing with Bahujan. There is a segment or set of uh, uh, people and communities bundled into Bahujan. Maybe the Bahujan are one step above Dalit or one step below or equal. It's very ambiguous and amorphous, but it's a terminology that's uh, that's used today to say Dalit and Bahujan are oppressed. And I have uh, problems with that. But I'm, I'm, hey, Bahujan, I'm happy. I'm a proud Bahujan and I'm a proud Hindu. So Yeah, and just um, to be clear, um, you know, there's no visual on this, so people will not know what we look at look like but you know bahujan whatever like these are americans would consider the marginalized communities um indian south asian whatever brown people can tell by our surnames what our backgrounds are it's not that difficult but uh if you look at us we don't really look that different so this is not a situation some people like to say well it's like you know like I'm going to do this in the quotes, air quotes, like Brahmins are the white people of India. Uh, if they are the white people of India, they're the brownest white people you've ever seen. Uh, no offense, Sundar, or offense, or I don't know. You know, it's just like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we look the same. So you got to really have some um, deep knowledge, uh, at least from an American perspective, to understand all of the details here. But I do want to talk about the details because people are talking about as if they know what's going on. And this is relevant uh, to people. Uh, my own personal viewpoint, which I think a lot of people know, is uh, I am a reactionary. I do believe in colorblindness. Um, and so you can be whoever you want to be. But um, but we, we're we going to talk about the details here because the details are affecting people's lives. Obviously, I think it's going to affect brown people in some way. It's already affecting us. But it's also a bigger principle of America, in my opinion, uh, that we are creating a new country with a new people who are coming together based on values. And do we really need to hear about all this stuff you know, about India and about, you know, all these other countries, like how many oppressions uh, can we, uh, you know, kind of juggle in this country? And, you know, that's that's just my opinion on that from a political, social, cultural perspective. And I know people disagree, but I just want to be clear about that. Now, Sundar, um, can you, um, since you were at the center of it, uh, give, give, give me the capsule uh, summary of the case, of the complaint of what was going on from your perspective? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the whole saga started in 2016. Well, I started this company 
uh, within, which is funded by Cisco, and uh, spent about a year incubating and I hired a classmate of mine whom we'll call John Doe for the purpose of this conversation because he filed an anonymous complaint. Um, and so uh, John Doe is someone I know for more than 20, 20 plus years when I uh, hired him. And uh, a year down the line, he wasn't performing and we uh, he claimed that he didn't get the head of engineering position because he was a Dalit, right? And so that started the saga and there was a bunch of internal complaints in the 2016 to 2018 timeframe, uh, followed by him going to what is known as the California Civil Rights Department, which is an administrative body, government body that looks at all of these complaints. Um, you know, fast forward to 2020 with, you know, they did their internal investigations or what have you. Um, they they filed a lawsuit in June of 2020, claiming that me and a colleague of mine, Ramana Compella, the two of us um, as his supervisors, managers, and of course, Cisco Systems, discriminated against John Doe, harassed John Doe on the basis of his caste, and also retaliated against him. So there are three aspects to the court case. Uh, but that's the quick and dirty summary of the complaint itself. Yeah, just for the non-American uh, listeners, every country has different rules. Uh, but I mean, the norm here, the, the laws, depending on, you know, if you are part of a protected class, uh, you are, you know, under the purview of the civil rights law, which is the federal law. Uh, but, you know, different states have their own interpretations. And even, you know, universities like UC Davis has introduced their own uh, little rules related to this. And so, you know, if you are above the age of 40, you could be, you know, sue on the basis of age. If you're a woman, sue on your basis of your gender, et cetera, et cetera. Some, some categories in many states um, are not covered. So for example, there's a big issue with uh, if you're gay, you know, or trans, okay? So people in America are arguing about this sort of thing. Um, if you are a non-white person, you know, in many cases you could sue. The issue here is should we drill down uh, to a more um, granular level of within the uh, South Asian Indian American uh, category, there are divisions, which that's 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 true. Uh, you know, there's differences. People have different backgrounds. That's just a fact. So, is there discrimination? Um, you know, in that in that subgroup. And so, my position, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to let let you guys speak because this is by you guys. But I do want to say, I do think some people do have prejudices. Okay, just like most humans. That's not something that I'm going to dispute. Uh, the issue is, you know, in the United States, if you ever worked in Silicon Valley. You know, all these places, you know, this is just, it's a whole new world. Companies start, companies end. Founders get angry at each other. You know, I'm a founder myself. And like, you know, I get along with my founders right now, you know, my friends. But um, there's just a lot of stuff that happens. And introducing this element is extremely disruptive and confusing. And also, you know, something like a third of founders in Silicon Valley are, are of subcontinental origin. So all of a sudden... Uh, you're going to start to look at everybody by what their caste or jati category is, and um, I, I'm 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 asking you, listener, who have listened to me talk about this and have repeatedly said this is too complicated to understand, uh, to imagine an HR person figuring this out, right? So that's the fundamental reality. Um, so uh, Sundar, um, your your identity um, kind of came under question, I guess, and like we should just talk about it, like. You know, identity, like, I mean, that's how people feel. 
that's where they're from. Like, what's going on here? Like, are you a uh, are you a Savarna supremacist or whatever? You know. Yeah. So there are many angles to this case. So let me focus on on the last uh, specific thing that you mentioned. So in order for them to create a case of caste discrimination, they um, first of all claim that caste is a strict Hindu hierarchy. This is precisely from the lawsuit. And then they assigned me essentially a religion and a caste. They called me an upper caste Brahmin, right, or dominant caste in their words. And there's a lot of stuff in the complaint. Well, it turns out that they interviewed me. I was explicitly asked my religion. I told them I was irreligious all of my life. I pointed them to my grad school blog, which is still, uh, which is still uh, public today, 25 years back on my Sanford grad student webpage which literally lays out that I'm irreligious. I do not follow organized religion. I told them I've written short stories against caste. I told them I've never worn any, you know, caste practices. I mean, you know, being in a caste is very different from being casters, right? They're two different things. But I have not even worn the sacred thread, which sometimes people of a certain caste can wear. I've, I've literally had no religious tendencies, let alone Hindu tendencies, let alone caste. It's so insane. I've given them all of this information. We then later on followed up with more data, court declarations. The state of California couldn't care less. Literally, with a reckless indifference to the truth, and I cannot say that in any more summarized words, they assigned me religion and a caste against my First Amendment rights just for them to build this narrative. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, you know, just just in the interest of candor, uh, you know, candor here, uh, you know, most uh, most people who are listening will not immediately get it. But your last name indicates your family background. That's what's happening here. Uh, So basically what they're saying is it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter if you go to Ruth's Chris every day. You know what I'm saying? What matters is what your family back and Ruth's Chris is a great steakhouse for everyone out there. Just you know, I really recommend it. Uh, but in any case, um, it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, what you identify as. What matters is who your ancestors are. Correct. That's what's going on here. And but what's what's equally awesome and insane is that they actually define caste as a religious practice. You define caste as a religious practice. You interview the main manager. You know he is a religious. You violate the First Amendment by assigning religion and a caste to him deliberately. That's, you know, and, and I'm giving you the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg because we just started the interview here to tell you the number of things that the CRD has done, which we'll get to. But I think Sudha wanted to say something there. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, I just want. I just wanted to say, so you said the last names. Uh, so uh, my last name is Jagannathan. It uh, it uh, appears in all different kind of communities, but people can look at my last name and say, oh, there she is an upper caste. And that is because uh, the, the primary sponsor of this particular bill in California, uh, SB 403, Equality Labs has a handbook. Uh, that that can be used by maybe the civil rights department if this becomes law or by HR departments to say, let me look at the last name and assign. Yeah. So Jagannathan, okay, they make the assumption or they look at my skin color or she's not dark enough. Okay, then she's upper caste. My point is that these people are defining, like Sundar said, somebody else is defining who we are. And for that somebody else, Sundar is not atheist enough. Right? For that somebody else, I'm not Bahujan enough. And they want to define us. And that is 
really wrong. You know, we don't go around defining other people, but are they coming and trying to define us, who we should be, how we should practice, what we should celebrate, what we should eat, you know, vegetarian versus not. All of this is now being put under the microscope to decide if Hindus are a species that need to be monitored and managed as a separate category because they are abusive, oppressive, even though there is no data to prove any of this stuff. So this is the most atrocious and sad part of this whole uh, saga. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like we're getting into some complicated ethnography, ethnology, in terms of how you categorize people. And a lot of the people, uh, you know, that are being confronted by this um, for the first time uh, have never really thought about it in detail. So, uh, I mean, uh, did both of you grow up in India? I yeah, so I can tell you, and I know this is true in India and certain cultural milieus too. A lot of Indian Americans who grew up here do not actually have a good idea uh, of what their caste is or what their community is. Because, look, you know, if you're the if you're the the kid of some doctor in rural Iowa, you know, I mean, that's just it's not something that ever crosses your mind uh, because you know you have some other things to deal with, which. We don't need to get into the details, but people can imagine, right? And so now um, this is coming up, and I think it's like confusing a lot of people. So there's an aspect of discrimination here. Um, so you know, you can say, look, people get fired, uh, performance evaluations come up uh, in non-unionized uh, environments. We're an at-will employment country, right? You can just get fired for any reason. You get fired because you'd like blink the wrong way. The issue is, are you getting fired? for your protected class identity, and then that creates a huge a huge different um, dynamic. And so this is what's coming up here. Now, there's also aspects of like harassment, supposedly, in this case. Uh, do you want to talk about that, Sundar? Yeah, sure. In fact, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, let me focus on the discrimination claim first. Okay. Uh, we'll set the tone for harassment. So just to get the primary claim out, when the state told us that, okay, we're being sued because... We didn't give John Doe a position because he says he's a Dalit. We pointed out, number one, he's never applied for the job. He'd never applied for the position that was open for more than three months. Second, if you look at code documents, we pointed out that he's never shown evident interest in the head of engineering position, right? That's just second of the bad. Third, we told him that the position that he claims discrimination for was first offered to another senior candidate who was also self-identifying as a Dalit. Now, if you think this is insane, you know, you're, you're looking at about 2% of everything that I'm going to tell you. We then told them, okay, you think we're bigoted. I mean, of course, first of all, we pointed out that I hired John Doe, even though I allegedly knew his cast. Why would I do that, right, if I was bigoted? We went further. We told them, that every leadership position in my Cisco startup, remember this was a startup funded by Cisco, I was the CEO, every top leadership position in my Cisco startup was first either offered or accepted by the other senior Dalit candidate. We, you know, I hired a senior of mine. He, this guy was brilliant. I mean, I've co-founded companies with him. He's, you know, prolific. We had him on. He got my first leadership position. I offered him the head of engineering position. I even offered him my own CEO position. I, in fact, groomed him to be that. 
literally the state of California sued probably the only group in Silicon Valley where every top position has gone to a Dalit to make a claim of Dalit discrimination. And guess what? That's material critical evidence that they chose not to tell the judge, the press, or in their court complaint to build a narrative of widespread caste discrimination in California. That's the CRD for you. Yeah. Here's a a question. I've looked at some of the numbers. Look, I don't go around asking people's caste, just so you know, uh, despite what the rumors say. But um, I've looked at the numbers. There's very few Dalits in the United States. Like, How are you running into all of these? Yeah, well, remember, uh, you know, I, I went to the Indian Institute of Technology. The IITs have, you know, uh, different quotas and affirmative action. I knew the senior Dalit um, colleague of mine for more than 25 years. We've been friends. We've done companies together. We've, you know, chatted, eat, had dinner, drank together, had that masala chai together. Uh, you get to know a lot about a person. He's self-identified. And most importantly, we've discussed social justice issues in which we brought up these topics and he's brought up these topics. I mean, knowing someone's caste is not something that is is rare, right? I mean, when you know somebody for 25 years, but that's the only reason I knew the other senior Dalit's identity, right? Okay. As far as John Doe, I've never, you know, cared less, right? I mean, you know, this guy was my classmate. I've hired a person who was not on, if you look at the code complaint, they say that, I mentioned the fact that he was not on the main list at an IIT. And, you know, you take that and you build an indirection from that and say, I knew he was a Dalit and blah, blah, blah. So we'll come to that in a, in a, in a bit. But I just wanted to get the discrimination claims out of the picture. Like the, the claims are provably wrong is what we told the CRD. And in fact, when we filed a motion to sanction the state's lawyers in January of 2023, we put that down again explicitly, even though they've known this for years, that we're going to ask the judge to sanction you because you've hit critical material evidence. Right? It's that bad. It's yeah. Bad. Yeah. So it, it, it sounds uh, Kafka-esque, right? Is that how, how it felt for you? I mean, it's worse. I mean, I think at some point um, I, I saw something from the Equality Labs founder in a in a declaration to Santa Clara saying, oh, well, we think, uh, you know, some people think this is malicious prosecution. We don't think so. I assure you, this is much worse than that. As I build you the truth, not only just from public data, but a lot more that will come out, this will be much worse than that. And I assure you one thing, me, Equality Labs, and the CRD, and the state of California, we all agree on one thing. This will be a landmark case, I assure you that, for different reasons, and we'll come to that. So, uh, Suda, let me just ask you, uh, just get your general uh, social perspective. Uh, You know, you are obviously a a devout Hindu. uh, And so, you know, I'm just going to ask you, like, how does caste play out in the United States? Uh, I know there are there are there are organizations of particular jatis, uh, you know, in the U.S., some festivals and these sorts of things. Um, I don't you know, look, I'm not Hindu, not from a Hindu background, so. I don't really know much about this. I've actually never encountered any of these things, but you know, people bring them up online uh, as you know. Oh, casteism is coming from India to North America, uh, generally. And you know, I, I do have to say, like the only uh, there are some cases. You know, Canada's a little bit different. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I think Canada, the Canadian dynamics are a little bit different. Um, you know, places like Surrey. You know, they're they're not 
like Silicon Valley. Let's put it that way. And so the cultural and social dynamics are not generalizable. But uh, just uh, can you can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, just give us a little bit of ethnographic texture. So I come from the southernmost end of uh, tip of India, a state called Kerala, uh, which has, um, a, I would say it's one of the very diverse uh, state with uh, Christians and Muslims and Jains and even Jews. We have, uh, you know, we have Jewish uh, presence there. So when I came to the United States, like I said, in India, I hadn't faced it because my family were, came from a very struggling uh, background and um, they never talked to, to talked at home. They didn't have time to talk about caste, but they were working hard to make sure the, the family had some uh, stable footing. So when I came as a student and a married student, um, my friends were from all over, uh, from Kerala first, right? But then um, my husband was already working and we made friends uh, with uh, Indians from other parts of the country, sometimes other parts of the world. So we became friends because we had uh, things in common uh, of being of Indian background and being here. But we never, I don't, I never was asked my caste. And I, it never occurred to me I should uh, only mingle with people of my caste. That would make for a very small network. So uh, caste never played a role. And I have two children who were born in America. They don't know their caste. I want to tell you that. And one reason I'm fighting and I'm on the board of Kona as a Bahujan leader, and we also have the Dalit leaders on uh, Kona, is because I want to make sure my, this land, this country is safe for my um, children. And I have two little grandkids, four and five years old, and they don't know their caste. Okay. So uh, my point is that uh, we were all professionals, and I will admit to that. My biggest uh, problem was we were professionals, educated people. And um, we also, if we get got together for celebrations, like in Kerala, Ornam is our biggest festival. We all got together because we were Malayalis uh, and we had uh, Hindus and Christians and Muslims in the net, in the community all coming together, celebrating it. Same thing we celebrate Christmas. We are not looking at who is, uh, what caste here do I go here on. And my guru is, uh, in today's parlance, would be called uh, Dalit. She, her name is Mata Amardanandamayi Devi. She comes from a fisherman community. And she has millions of followers around the globe. When she comes to her ashram in San Ramon, California, uh, people throng to see her. They're not saying, oh, she's dark. She is, uh, you know, I need to uh, get to know her because I have to show my affinity to oppressed class. Nobody's... <laughs> bothered with it. They are there because she has something to offer to everybody. So it has been completely relevant in my life. I'm not denying people's claims that they were uh, excluded from parties. They were uh, denied a second date. They were, uh, you know, um, denied, the, uh, you know, when they asked, uh, can I use your uh, pots to cook my non-vegetarian? And then vegetarian friend said, no, you cannot use my pots. I mean, that is a caste discrimination case. How is SB 403 in California going to solve that particular problem? Right. It makes no sense. I am looking at like I was racially discriminated in the two big tech, tech companies I worked uh, in. But it was uh, discrimination on the basis, I would say, uh, racial discrimination and gender discrimination. And I had a re redress through my HR. If somebody at work uh, feels that you know, he or she was called something, go deal with it. I recently had a, um, an engineer friend at Microsoft who said, after working there for 25 years, this manager comes to him and says, what's your caste? The guy is so freaked out. He doesn't know what to say. It's not because he's practicing caste. 
and people like that, engineers who are asked that question today, should privately set up some time with their managers and say, this question is highly inappropriate. If you think that I have behaved badly to a colleague or someone else, bring it on. But to ask this question is completely inappropriate. I think these managers feel like, oh, this this is a very, uh, everybody knows their cast and this is not uncommon. I should find out. That is wrong. That is really insulting for somebody to come and ask. So I want to say in the United States, I have not felt this and I've talked to a lot of people across the country. They all say, we don't know the cast of anyone who works with us. That's what I hear. So, and then what I'm saying, where are the police reports and where are the human uh, resources complaints? And CSU, the California State University, uh, included this two years ago. They don't have even one complaint. So what is the basis for it? The basis always is Sundaraya and Cisco. And that fell apart. And they still keep saying Sundaraya and Cisco. Something is wrong with this whole narrative. Sure. So that's why these conversations are very important. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to say, like, you repeat the lie enough and it becomes the truth, right? So uh, we do, that's, that is one reason I am talking to you. Uh, just to be clear, uh, you know, uh, we are like referring to certain things. So SB 403, it would ban caste discrimination in California uh, under FIHA, the uh, Unruh Civil Rights Act and California Education Code. And Newsom, the governor, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has until October 14th of 2023 to sign it. Um, and so it's just like, it's a big deal, but it's also been using as a precedent in other places, um, like in Seattle, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, there are, there are schools, I think Brown passed some motion, maybe the Brown Student Union or something weird like that, uh, that was against caste discrimination. And, um, you know, I've written about and talked about actually caste and Jati uh, because it, to me it's fascinating from a genetic perspective. And uh, I'm not going to get into that too much here, but, you know, those of you who listen to me, you know, uh, that it has had a big effect genetically. Uh, but, um, you know, in terms of the United States and brown people, one thing that I have noticed, you know, when I was a kid is people, uh, you know, they, first of all, depending on how many brown people there are in the area, but they tend to, you know, congregate with people who speak the same language, which I think is kind of common sense. Uh, you know, you can, they can speak in the non-English language that they grew up with, uh, you know, in, the privacy of their own homes and also the cuisines tend to be similar and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I didn't really hear too much about all this caste stuff. Actually, I didn't at all. You know, my family's from Bangladesh, but we had a lot of friends from West Bengal, uh, you know, Hindus, uh, that we would socialize with and, you know, just share the common language, common culture, irrespective of religion. Obviously, you know, there were those, those group meetings, like, the only meat was fish, <laughs> no pork, no beef, right? So, uh, you know, there were some compromises there. But my point is that in the United States, how it's operationalized is usually at a much more coarse level uh, than in the Indian subcontinent. But that's because there's not that many of us. So um, going back to the case, Sundar, uh, let's talk about the harassment. Uh, can you address that? Yeah, sure. So um, the the CRD, which is uh, the Civil Rights Department, I'll keep referring to them as the CRD, um, they've alleged that Ramana Kampela, who's the other manager who was named the case, and me, harassed John Doe. Now, just for some context, harassment is a pretty serious charge. It is based on your individual behavior with the candidate and not about your workplace action. So, like, for example, if a manager didn't promote somebody or, you know, uh, gave somebody, um, uh, you know, uh, had them not attend any meeting or whatever, these are things that go under discrimination. But harassment is personal behavior. Like you call somebody the N-word 
you know, multiple times, that would be harassment for sure, right? Harassment has to be pervasive. Harassment has to be sort of repeated. And it has to be, of course, you know, get to a point where you're you're causing somebody offense and it has to be direct, right, to to a large extent. And of course, you could, you could, you know, add up incidents over time and say, does something constitute harassment? Now, what did the state allege against us? Well, in eight years since John Doe has joined Cisco, the state of California has not alleged a single harassing comment that I have ever made or Ramana has ever made to John Doe. Okay, uh, Let me first uh, uh, double click on Ramana first. The worst complaint of harassment against Ramana Compella is that Ramana Compella asked John Doe to file weekly status reports. Now, let me let me work through that a bit. Uh, that's 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 pretty normal. I mean, normal. that is day to day work stuff. I mean, you know, I'm not a believer of the infinite universe theory, but I can't think of one universe where asking your report to do weekly statuses is considered harassment. But let's double click further. The CRD also knows that that directive to have Ramana file weekly status reports came from Ramana's boss, Tom Etzel. In fact, there was a three way meeting. John Doe himself agrees under penalty of perjury that Tom Etzel requested weekly status reports and had him send those reports to Ramana. Despite the state of California knowing this, they chose to nail Ramana Kompela, I suppose because he's Indian and brown and because they can assign a caste to him, and use a day-to-day business function where Ramana is following his boss's orders and his boss, Tom Etzel, is a legend in Silicon Valley, wonderful man, and, and to nail him for a harassment charge. That's the worst charge that they were able to come up with, Ramana. Okay, now let's, let's go back to me. What is the charge of harassment leveled against me? I have no idea, to be honest. I mean, they use day-to-day business functions. Oh, John Doe didn't get this position. John Doe, uh, you know... In fact, there's something about assignments and and just absolutely vague claims. And of course, uh, claims that are basically uh, passive voice claims. John Doe was harassed. John Doe was disparaged. Well, what does that mean? Do you have any specifics? Date? Time? Witnesses? Location? Nothing. You know, it's like the Equality Lab survey beautifully condensed into a complaint. Saying that you were harassed is not a harassment claim. You have to say something in specifics. And of course, they don't have any specifics because they already have so much data. I treated John Doe as every employee like a king. I hired him. I gave him millions of dollars in compensation. Why? Because I, as the CEO, took nothing in equity. I gave him one of the joint highest titles. I gave him several opportunities for leadership. I parried the HR complaints against him from the other colleagues of mine, I tried my level best to make the man successful, right? Um, they had no claim of harassment because they can't find a single piece of evidence where I've ever treated him badly, despite being on the receiving end of John Doe's behavior, right? The CRD knows this, and they still went ahead with a ruthless dig- disregard for the truth to press harassment charges. So that's harassment in a nutshell, if you will. So why? 
why would why would why would the state why would California's state uh, why why were all all these people doing this like give me Suda uh, Suda Sundar like give me your theories like I, people know I have my theories but give me your theories. Sure, Suda, you want to go first? Yeah, hi. Um, you know this one topic of caste uh, is. Uh, something that the world doesn't know much about. And I have to say, most of the Indians don't know much about it either. You know, we have our own experiences and we have our own ideas about what all of this is. And it's become a weapon um, that when you throw it at the Hindus, we freak out, we freeze. We don't know exactly how to respond, except now we have come together and we have, um, you know, put put out some uh, real strong uh, I would say arguments against the narrative that is happening here. So it is... Uh, after trying a lot of different ways to attack us uh, for being well uh, behaved, I would say, and also being successful, visibly successful now, you know, um, especially these days, like you said, one third of the CEOs or startup uh, founders are of um, Indian and uh, Hindu origin. So uh, they, uh, so this has become a, a way to uh, come at us uh, very strongly under the guise of civil rights. Right. Civil rights is so important in this country, especially for young people are moved very much by social justice. And so they are quick to think about something is wrong. What is that thing that say um, there is no smoke without fire? So if these people are 40 claims of um, Dalit oppression, when we don't know who these 40 people are. But if 40 people are complaining, that means there is some serious discrimination going on. These assumptions are starting to build up. So when I say that University of uh, California, Davis itself, and this caste pyramid, you know, it's very American. Uh, I first saw it only in America. And it uh, goes and says uh, Brahmins are this and Dalits are this, and they play games with it in high school sometimes. But we uh, we have a very good video on Kona that takes apart the whole thing and shows how ridiculous all of this is. My point is that it's taken some scholarship, some uh, effort by a community to counter these things because the narrative in America and the understanding of uh, a, a small religion, I would say it's a minority religion in the world, is such that that they find us easy targets. So, uh, but we are being attacked under civil rights uh, issue, which is an American issue. And uh, that is the way we are countering it now, that you cannot say that you are going to help a few people whose civil rights are being abused and then abuse half a million Indians' uh, civil rights in California. Something is wrong. So that is a point we find that most people are not getting. Even the... I would say the legislators, they say, I voted for it because I'm against discrimination. We say we are against discrimination too. But did you know that by voting for it, you are actually discriminating against a large group of people? They don't know that, right? So this is why it's it's all very scary. But I'm interested in hearing what Sundar has to say about why we are becoming the target. Sure. Yeah, let me let me uh, put that into two different things. First, Razib's question, right, which is what was the motive? So in the um, motion for sanctions that we filed, uh, we basically said you have an improper motive, CRD. And what's pretty clear, if you look at the public documents in the case, is the CRD through litigation using the power of the state and equality labs um, through activism and now legislation, of course, um, collaborated together, and their collaboration is pretty intense if you look at the amount of data, the survey stuff that they use, 
to basically push caste as a protected category. In fact, they say that as much in the complaint. They, in fact, already make the post facto claim that they believe caste as a protected category. Now, the agenda is pretty clear. Fine. But let's peel that a bit because I, I view these things not necessarily from taking a side on this position, but just from a lens of truth. Let's see the truth around that. So first, let's go to the data. And I want to give some uh, object, objective stuff on what Sudha mentioned on the data, right? Here's, here's the claims. First, overbroad claim is Equality Lab says that roughly one in four Dalit Americans, that would be anywhere from roughly 10 to 40,000 American Dalits, have been physically assaulted or raped by upper caste Indian Americans in America simply because their caste was known. This is essentially the claim from the Equality Lab survey. Now, the judge threw it out. Great. Why? It says it's unscientific. I won't go into the details. It's pretty clear that the survey uh, was pretty bad and flawed. But let's assume the, the information from the survey for a moment and put that into practice. There are no police records to corroborate this claim. Great. So that's number one of the bat overarching thing. Let's go one level down. Second claim from Equality Labs. They say, this is a sworn court declaration, that 250 plus complaints of caste discrimination and harassment in the tech sector alone were filed within weeks of the Cisco case. Great. They make this claim in November of 2020 in a sworn court declaration. Here we are almost three years ahead. There's not a single credible piece of data. There's no court case yet, let alone a police record of such an incident. Great. Let's go down one more level to the final level. They also make a claim that 30 Dalit women wrote a letter to the CRD claiming widespread caste, you know, discrimination, harassment, what have you. The judge threw that out too. Well, guess what? It's a two and a half page letter published by the great mainstream media called the Washington Post, the forebearer of truth, let's call them. It's a two and a half page letter, no specifics, no reasons of what was ever told to them, no names of their managers, no locations, no witnesses, no time, no date, nada. Zilch. How do you work on this? You know, I come with an empathetic lens. Perhaps there are people who have been affected by caste right? Great. We have laws that protect it. I am so happy for that. I would be the first to stand up and fight and defend you if you've ever been on the bad or mean end of a bad person, right? Whether it's caste or some, something else, doesn't matter. We have beautiful anti-discrimination, extremely broadly written laws. You can file caste claims on race, ancestry, national origin. I mean, you what have you? And of course, many cases have been filed in the past. When I say many, I should say few cases have been filed in the past, I mean, it's much rarer in the broad statistical sense, but it's pretty well known. You can file these claims under existing laws. But not one of these claims by the activist organizations has ever lent itself to any evidence whatsoever. So that's where you're at today. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here. Um, so I'll just give some quick, uh, my own perspective of what's going on here, uh, just framework. Um, in the United States, we have civil rights law, we have a social justice movement, and um, you know, there are Equality Labs has been mentioned. It's a nonprofit. Um, you know, you could go on Crunchbase and other places, look up its funding. Uh, you know, their their job is to further justice. And who's opposed to justice, right? Um, this is just the prior that people start out from. And, um, you know, if there is equality, if equality occurs, uh, what does 
Equality Labs do? Well, you know, there's got to be more injustice. So there is a strong incentive for a lot of these organizations uh, to continue to find um, injustice. And so um, I think what is happening in the United States is, uh, you know, there are organizations and people uh, looking for oppressed groups uh, that they can stand up for. And, uh, you know, there are other people who will provide um, oppressed groups for them, so to speak. Right. So uh, the people who are funding Equality Labs and, you know, a lot of the white liberals that are worried about caste discrimination, they know nothing about this, but they know that they're opposed to caste discrimination. And who's not? You guys are both opposed to caste. Everyone is. Not everyone, but you know what I'm saying. In the United States, like, if you're like a big casteist, are you going to come to the United States and walk by a Burger King every day on the way to work? Let's just like think about the type of people who come to the United States, right? Uh, you know, you came to make a new life uh, in a new country where you mix with all sorts of people and, you know, um, people eat all sorts of different foods. Like all of the taboos and the norms and the beliefs and everything where you're raised are totally transformed. Uh, so, I mean, I've very, very m- – most cases I've never heard anyone say anything that's very casteist. Uh, there are people who might uh, say something because of quotas and reservation systems. That's a different issue. Uh, that's not casteism as such, but it's a particular policy response, and we don't need to go into the details on that. I, for example, personally – like I'm American, so I don't really care, but I oppose affirmative action, so I also do in theory in India. Like That's just my view as a libertarian, right? That's a, that's a separate issue. Um, I understand that you know I have like right-wing Hindu friends who are actually very pro-reservation for their own reasons, so this is a very complicated issue, and I don't want to get into that. Uh, but – um, so you have you have this thing going on, and then Hindus. I mean, yes, they're a minority in the United States, but there's you know over a billion now, uh, like, you know, like one point one billion or whatever, uh, mostly in India, but not just exclusively in India. And uh, you know, you know, the Modi government, Hindu nationalism, it's it's in the press uh, for various reasons. It's uh, you know, it's considered to be against the left. Um, we don't need to go into the details. I don't, I don't actually understand all of the details. Some of these things happen arbitrarily, you know, in terms of like who is on this side and who is on the other side. Uh, there are some, and you know, neither of you have mentioned it, but I'll mention it. Uh, there is a lot of like religious. So I don't really see much of the caste stuff in the United States, but there is religious stuff, right? And so, uh, because of the way, I, because of my background, um, I hear things from both sides. And let's just say that, like, uh, you know, certain groups of non-Hindus, uh, Muslims, but also Christians, are not fans of the Hindu religion. Uh, you know, you know, candidly, like a lot of them think you worship devils, Suda, like literally. And so, you know, that's just true. That's just a fact, right? Um, whereas Hindus, uh, you know, you guys have a particular history, particular with Muslims, but also with Christians. Like, think about Goa. There's a lot of animus here. Now, this doesn't necessarily actually translate, in my opinion a lot of times to interpersonal, especially people who are lived in the United States mostly. But, you know, that's there. And there are people within these groups that will use that leverage uh, to distance themselves or create differentiation. Now, this is not just like Hindu and Muslim. Like, you know, I've heard of I've seen it among, among Indian Americans where it's like, you know, you know, Punjabis will be like, oh, like, you know, those South Indians, they're dark and they eat disgusting food. And they're saying this to white people. Like, We know what's going on there. Right. So you're. You're kind of trying to get your own position in American society, you know, and, you know, and of course, you know, I mean, I've heard South Indians say things about Punjabis that I'm not going to say, but, you know, so I mean, like, nobody's a saint here. Um, there are tensions that are underneath, and then they're kind of um, getting fit into these American categories. And why do I care? Like, I mean, I'll just like say it, like, and I think people know, this is starting to affect all of us. Uh, we've been talking about Hindus a lot. Uh, I think, um, uh, Sundar, you don't 
really identify as a Hindu, even though that's your cultural background. It's not my cultural background. Suda, you do identify that you are a believer. But the reality is like we're all going to be asked about this because we look the same. That's the fundamental issue. So you could talk about religion and community and all this stuff. But in America, we're brown. We look the same. Um, I've been asked about my caste background already, uh, which is like, okay, like what, what do I say to this? Like, do I, you know, I mean, it's just like, you just want to laugh, but then people are like, why are you dismissing me? You know? So again, it's kind of in, um, it's kind of in a ridiculous, we're in a ridiculous situation. We need to get ourselves out of that ridiculous situation. This is why I'm having this discussion. And obviously I'm open to, to talking to people who disagree, who experienced things because, um, you know, I have not experienced, I mean, you guys would maybe not experience it. Maybe I haven't experienced it. Maybe there are things that are going on. I don't know. I'm open to all of that. Um, I am skeptical of a lot of the legal remedies that, you know, generally the political left of the United States uh, supports because I think people will get caught up in it. And um, I think it's a real problem, uh, you know, executing that in a society like ours that's very diverse. You know, everyone can figure out their oppression angle at some point. Um, and so we got to be very careful about that. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that's what I think is going on. Um, but maybe, maybe a part of what's going on. I mean, some of this stuff is, it's just crazy and it's random. I want to, I want to bring it back up, uh, in, in, a, in a personal sense. Um, you know, uh, you're a human being, uh, you're not the guy, you're not, you're not the, the Brahmin at the center of the Cisco case. Okay. Like that's what I've seen people refer to. Also, I do have to say, um, let me just like point this out. Um, most, uh, non, non, um, Brown people do not know this. Uh, the amount of like the way people talk about Brahmins on social media is like the way some people talk about Jews. Now I'm not a Brahmin, um, and you know, whatever, but it's like, it's really, really disgusting. Um, it's pretty much racist. Uh, again, I do think Brahmins on the whole are privileged in India. They are privileged in some ways in the Hindu system. That's my opinion. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can treat someone and talk about someone like they are subhuman. Okay. So there is some of that going on. That's wrong too. You know, there are other people, you know, I've had friends, uh, I've had, you know, I have, there are some, you know, okay, internet's a big place. There are some bigoted people, not usually Americans to be candid, uh, usually from the Indian subcontinent and, you know, they will say things that are bigoted against low caste people too, you know? Uh, so you can find anything anywhere, but um, it's a big complicated world. There's a lot of hatreds and I think we're trying to move beyond the hatreds. That's what we should do. We should strive to be better. We should strive to be more than we were individually as communities, as nations, and as the human race. Uh, I've been talking for a while, but um, Sundar, like, you know, you are a person living in this world and people I'm assuming around you know that you're at the center of this. What's happened? Tell me. Yeah, well, okay. Um, Let me give you the quick personal experience and then tell you where I'm at. Uh, Look, I I just want to say one thing off the bat. The experience, of course, was extremely tough. Right. Undoubtedly. I mean, I've woken up at probably 3 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, three to five times a week in 2020, 2021. Uh, And of course, even before the case came public, because, you know, I've been at the receiving end of this for years, even before that. When you have someone just filing complaints repeatedly on you. But more importantly, uh, my focus is not John Doe ever. It's the CRD. When you have a state agency uh, that just relentlessly comes up with you know, what is essentially fabrications and lies. And you can just see from the public records. I mean, there's actually a third-party website called uh, castgate.org, much like Watergate. And it just has public court records. Even if you count that, and to me, that's a severe undercount because I know a lot more. There's something like 40 plus pieces of data that's just outright wrong and false. 
But leaving that aside, what was bizarre to me was that you can go through this experience for pretty much having given away everything. I mean, I understand when someone does something wrong and, you know, you exaggerate. I don't even know what I've done wrong. I mean, I have, for, for, for God's sake, right, I've, I've given away all of my equity, millions of dollars. I get sued for a salary discrimination complaint where John Doe claims he's got low pay. Low pay for what? For making millions more than me, right? Um, I, I am at the center of attention to be a bigot for what? To build the one group in America where uh, the, every, you know, every position went to a Dalit. But, but personally, what did I go through? And why, why do I care today? I believe that if anybody else had gone through what I did, they would end it all. And I do not kid you this. The CRD, the way it is today, along with the great mainstream media and what the Dalit activists and so-called armchair academics do in continuously repeating and twisting the truth and repeating allegations as fact, you will look at the suicide of some innocent manager in California guaranteed. My job today is to prevent that. Okay. Now that said, I am not a victim. I can tell you a lot about what I went through and I will, I will say that as I speak more to the media. But my focus is, you know, uh, victimhood um, is, is, is a choice, right? Uh, crap happens to you, shit happens to you, but victimhood is a choice. For everything I've gone through, I'm, I'm standing up here to fight the good fight because I want to make California better. I want to make America better. And I want to make sure that no person, it's not about a Hindu or an Indian manager, no Californian manager goes through what I went through ever again. So that's the personal story. Yeah. Um, oh, Suda, Suda, you have something to say. Jump in. Yeah. I just want to say that to add to what uh, Sundar said, that is an extremely concerning uh, thought that is in all of our minds. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that has happened since this caste bill came along is uh, we have a Dalit Bahujan organization. It's the largest Dalit Bahujan organization called Apna DB. Uh, was formed right after this uh, caste case uh, became a big uh, issue and the SB 403 came along because we felt that uh, standing up with that identity is now become so important because that identity is being uh, uh, co-opted for other kinds of purposes and we don't have a voice. Actually, Razib, you are doing us a favor by listening to us and giving us um, a voice. Mostly our stories are not uh, sad enough, are not tragic enough. So they don't uh, publish these stories. So the fact that uh, Apna DB exists, the fact that Sundar is having to count the number of Dalits in his company, which is actually laudable, but it is sad. And the fact that if this becomes law, I would say the Dalit Bahujan, along with all other Hindus, are going to become victims. How is somebody going to know that you are a Dalit? And how do you prove that you are a Dalit and qualify for a job? This is affecting the entire community. So I think the proponents of the bill don't care who it is affecting. They use civil rights as a guise to get something pushed through. They want to now take it nationwide. That's what, what Senator Aisha Wahab just uh, recently said. So what does that mean? Our community has faced many such uh, instances across the globe, let me tell you. Uh, I kind of feel very worried that America is on a path to uh, denounce meritocracy right? Denounce individual responsibility and hard work and uh, um, 
and and then uh, you know actually improve social justice that is what sundar did by hiring his friends who were brilliant people now he's got to serve, uh, he's got to speak up and say i hired dalits they were brilliant does that mean it diminishes us it uh, denigrates us we are all brilliant people for having come here just on our merit Yeah. now having to uh, stand up and say here is my badge i am a dalit i am a bahujan hire me i think that's extremely humiliating yeah and unfair yeah absolutely and yeah. um you know I, i i wanted to build on what sudha mentioned right in terms of you know just jumping from the cisco case quickly to where we are in terms of senator wahab you know i i've always told people and and this is my focus right now which is Do you follow the truth? And I asked Senator Wahab this in her own heart. Have you followed the truth? I mean, what did she do? She started with an innocuous ancestry bill. She introduces caste on the last day of the bill, right? Denying due process to people. She doesn't want to do a community consultation. What's the harm in that? I don't know. She doesn't want to do it. Then what? She insists on the word caste instead of a facially neutral word. Okay, what are your reasons for that? she doesn't want to defend it meaningfully fine let's go down that thing she throws the same data that equality labs did right she has no evidence next what does she do she uses the cisco case she milks the cisco case she has her own constituents these are my coworkers she throws them under the rug without their single day in court right she milks that she throws a bunch of other stuff she says there's a google case there is no google case she knows that when a, when requested for meaningful and concrete evidence she does not offer that right fine then what happens in the assembly judiciary committee they ask and of course she starts with a bill that is highly discriminatory she calls her india pakistan nepal south asia africa all colored communities uh, as you know forebearers of caste well right there you're facially discriminatory because you know a term in the us law needs to be facially neutral you just defined and said your term is not facially neutral right and you targeted particular communities well then what happened she's forced to remove those terms great then she says that caste is universal right well you know i don't have a you know view to it immediately but like well if caste is universal show us that why is it universal all of your literature all of your dictionaries all of your declarations and code your great packages of survey all the 99.9% of the people in the room that you see in any committee are all south asian how is caste suddenly universal maybe it is please defend that claim she won't do that and you go down this process of behavior by a senator to me that's not my senator that's not how a senator behaves your first focus must be on the truth let's find out let's understand let's talk to your constituents let's get to the truth i mean people have asked me like you know do i have a particular position on the bill and i say it's not on the bill that i have a position on it's on the process that i have a position on right do the community consultation have honest conversations get down to bare stakes get down to first principles thinking and most importantly check and give evidence do not try to browbeat indian americans on these claims of 10 to 40,000 rapes of dalits and physical assaults that is bullshit right and so to me today yeah. big question and the big question from your podcast is will governor newsom stand up for the truth right that's all i want him to do go look at the data look at the stuff come up with any decision we're happy with your decision in so far as you followed the process to discover the truth 
Yeah. So um, let me just – we mentioned uh, Equality Labs uh, and their survey really quickly. Uh, the reason that their survey is you know, statistically not that great is the snowball sampling. So they actually looked within the Equality Labs network. They passed it around within uh, the people, starting with the people that worked there, uh, to their friends. So believe it or not, uh, people at a social justice organization in the United States focused on caste uh, are not going to give the same responses that the general population of Indian Americans would. Okay, so that's it's basically like massive ascertainment bias in the sample. Yeah, go on. Uh, and even if, worse, within the snowball sampling, everyone who said they did not have a strong view on caste, they actually dropped them from the sample. I mean, yeah. about as fabricated and cooked, it's difficult to imagine a more cooked up survey. And and they themselves admitted, which is the worst part. And then you push that in codes and you push that in the legislation. Yeah. So one thing that does happen, though, is uh, there are, you know, you know, and I think they're reasonably objective, not like super concerned uh, people who are not brown uh, that are like, why are you guys freaking out so much? Like, maybe you have something to hide. Right. And what I will say to that is uh, people are already being asked. It's not just you. You're obviously at the center of something. But, you know, I know many people who are already being asked just cash, quote, casually, not really casually. Uh, you know, workplaces are political. Um, this is already a political cudgel, and that's why people are freaking out because, look, um, you know, Suda, you've talked about racial discrimination. Everyone knows that there's various types of discrimination. Like I'm going you know, to put my my you know cards on the table. I'm very skeptical of a lot of the laws to fix this, but you know, there are people that go to a certain school, and they will hire people from that school. Uh, there's people from certain social classes, people from certain races. Usually, not really explicitly races in the United States, but it will be. A certain like social cultural background, you know, you went to an Ivy League school in New England. And so, okay, there's not going to be like a lot of rural southern white people in your network, candidly, you know, or like, you know, you know, blacks from the lower middle or underclass. And so there's all sorts of discrimination uh, that just naturally happens because of the nature of your social networks. Those are, are egalitarian. And so I'm not denying this sort of thing. But, you know, in the United States, there are legal remedies for certain types of discrimination based on protected classes. Once you start to put it in the law, the law, the law becomes the norms. And then all of a sudden, uh, everyone's going to have to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I didn't want to answer one aspect that you brought up, Brazi, which is why are people freaking about, about this, right? So I want to take a sort of different view. It's sort of an objective stance to this. There are many aspects to this, right? Whether the law is constitutional or not, you know, there's a facial neutrality. There's the as-applied aspect of the law, right? Which is, you may call caste to be some, you know, bourgeois word, which looks like it's very generic, but in reality, 99.9% .9 of its usage is with respect to Indians. So there are aspects there. But I, I want to take all of that aside for a moment, leave the legal part. Here is the biggest problem we have today, which is the truth. Hey, let's go and find out how the state agency which is supposed to enforce the law, treated Hindu and Indian Americans. Let me give you a few examples from the Cisco case itself. The state passes some of the most xenophobic and racial targeting of Indian Americans. The Equality Lab survey is quoted six plus times, right? Which literally makes these claims about Indian Americans physically assaulting, raping, blah, with no data. The judge throws it out. What do they do? They go to appeals court. What do they do in appeals court? They push it again. What do they do again? They then add spitting charges. They now say Indian Americans spit on Dalit Americans. No data, no evidence whatsoever. Great. That's your targeting. Next, what do they do? Let's bring up some xenophobia. Here's some examples of xenophobia. 
Indian Americans are overrepresented. Oh, well, I didn't realize merit is a crime. Second, okay, that's mild enough. Second, life is hell working under an Indian manager. Now, why is that a problem? It's not their direct quote, but they platform that quote with no corroboration whatsoever, and they generalize it, right? That's, that's racial targeting. That's xenophobia. It's even worse. You know, they throw in allegations. Oh, here's an allegation. Dual loyalty. They claim there's an increase in casteism in America because of Modi's elections in India. It's that insane. Since when did I, as an Indian American, have to answer for the political party in India, right? They know that. There's more than five or six such instances. Indian Americans talk about their biological superiority. Really? Where's the evidence for that, you know? Uh, next, uh, you know, upper caste Indian Americans. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to come up with, with more claims. There's, there's something like five or six of those with no meaningful evidence whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Upper caste Indian Americans are dominant caste Americans. They threw the oppressor versus oppressed narrative. This is your state agency doing this on you, giving a shit about the truth. So if you have a right to be afraid as a Californian, you very well need to be independent of the law. When the CRD doesn't represent the truth, you have no chance, right? That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, Siddha. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, the really scary part of all of this, like Sundar said, if this becomes law, CRD is the one to manage it and Equality Labs will be their consultant. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure uh, whether I should be jumping up for joy or really, you know, running away from here. I just don't understand how a state like California can put in charge of this particular, you know, Hindus as a special species law under the same agency that has been won. And I think uh, more will come out uh, in this, uh, these lawsuits that have uh, been uh, launched about CRD being an extremely correct and abusive organization. And uh, to have the consultant um, be the same primary sponsor, the ones uh, whose data has been thrown up, it's just unbelievable what is happening. I just also wanted to call out there has been a tragic incident in all of this, right? One of the founders, co-founders of Apna DB was Milind Bakwana. He was a very good engineer at a tech company and he joined the fight against. See, that's the thing most people don't understand. Dalits and Bahujans are opposing the bill. Apna DB is a strong, in strong opposition to the bill. But he ended up uh, losing his life uh, right after he testified in the city of Cupertino discussing this caste SB 403. And his last words were, don't talk about us without us, right? We are not at the table. You are allowing other people to come and define this topic and uh, say that we need help. We, we need a say. And he walked out and, of course, you know, a lot of stress is building up in our community with all of this stuff. And uh, people are having health issues. He dropped on the you know unconscious and he lost his life. So we already have a life lost in the course of this uh, caste uh, equity battle. And see the terminology. Terminology is very important. Caste equity. Now Equality Labs and Wahab have uh, established a caste equity legal team with about a dozen in, uh, lawyers, Jews and Christians and Muslims and uh, Sikhs and a bunch of others. Uh, maybe a couple of uh, Hindus in name. Uh, so there's this an ecosystem to support this narrative that Hindus are bad for the society, we better, you know, muzzle them. So I, I find this all very, very uh, crazy, but scary, because if California passes this law, 
nobody pays attention to the fact that Milind Makwana died. There is an Apna DB and the Dalit engineers in uh, Sundar's company are uh, maybe billionaires, I, I guess. I mean, they yeah. don't seem to care about it. They just have an agenda to pass it. It's on somebody's books to say, Senator Wahab, uh, this is a poster woman for this thing. We need to make sure she wins. And that is a party line. We talked to a lot of the Democratic uh, leaders and they said, we cannot oppose a Democratic uh, senator's bill. Yeah. We have to vote for it. And that is another revelation to me in this uh, understanding of democracy in Calif- California, particularly. A lot of bad things going on in the name of social justice and also corrupting our children. Yeah. Let me tell you, our children coming home and saying, mom, dad, when are you going to atone for the sins of your uh, you know, ancestors. I mean, in our Hindu philosophy, we don't carry burden of ancestral guilt. We uh, we expiate our own guilt in our karma. Poor Sundar is working through his karma. He doesn't even believe in it. I'm just saying his karma from some other life. Sorry, I was just going to say, this is a whole separate topic of, you know, what construes ancestral guilt. I mean, we can get into that. I mean, I've heard so many interesting things. You know, the so-called Brahmins were some of the poorest in India. Something like 30 or 40% of all kingdoms in India were run by Shudras, right? Some of the most richest people were Kshatriya and, and yeah, yeah. class. I I have no clue who is or was not privileged. Um, you know, we can we can uh, come back to this. I, uh, you know, the issue, uh, we, we, sh- we should wind up, but like, I do have to say Becky does know. Becky will know. That's like, let's be honest about who's going to be determining this sort of thing, right? So I want to I wanna pull this out. Um, so I'm going to let... Um, I'm going to like have some general comments and Suda, you go. And then Suda, I want you to just like finish out for us. Uh, So I do want to say here, you know, we've been talking about Indians, we've been talking about Hindus, obvious reasons, you know, um, and, you know, Sundar's particular background. I want to step back here that this, um, you know, whenever you hear, when you hear about uh, a white male, uh, white American male, uh, let's say he has like his last name is Smith or Johnson, and he's been accused of discrimination. Um, If you're a non-white person, uh, Think about that because uh, I think that this is this is not – I don't talk about this just because, oh, I'm brown and I care about brown people. I think this is a general thing that is happening. Uh, those of us who've worked in a corporate or startup business environment, like these laws get involved in our lives depending on who they are. Most people are not like this. Most people are not going to use these laws, but they can. And then all of a sudden, your, li- your life gets turned upside down. Uh, you're talking about you know, accusations and, and, and death and all these things. You know, There was a guy in, in Canada who committed suicide after he was uh, basically accused of being a racist at some meeting, a principal. I'll put the link in. People can look it up. You know, I'm not – look, white men still run this country. Uh, they still run the United States. They're very powerful. They're very privileged. Uh, they're not saints. Uh, I just want people to think, though, just because it happens to a you know successful brown man doesn't mean that this same thing is not happening to all the white men that you see being accused or the white women or whatever, okay? When you see an accusation being made, step back don't always assume that you know the whole story. A lot of us, when we've actually dug in or talked to the people, know that there's a lot of other things going on there than what you know, you know, in terms of retaliation, resentments, grievances. And when people are angry, they reach for the nearest thing that they can use as a weapon. And the law is a weapon. Social norms are a weapon, you know. Um, And I think... 
everyone knows what I'm alluding to here uh, in terms of discrimination and power relations and all those things. And it's just like a lot more complicated than our in our public discourse. And that's what I want to bring out here by using this particular example, this particular, you know, Sundar here, this individual, a human being that many of you know. Like, so many of the Indian Americans out there, um, you know, you guys are not on the same political side as me, you know, like I'm more on the right. And, you know, you think that that these white Republicans are, are racist. A lot of them are. Because a lot of people are racist, but um, you know, have a little bit, have a little bit more grace and charity to people who, yes, they have a lot of privileges, they have done a lot of bad things, but every single accusation and every single crime that's put at their feet, it, it's not, it's not that simple. And now you are white adjacent. Now you are the white brown person, so to speak. And so I think what we're, what what I want to highlight here is that. Um, the accusation is not the truth, and um, just because someone throws a stone doesn't mean it's just. And so, just take a step back because this could be you, you know. But for the grace of Bhagwan, go you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you you don't know. You don't know who, like, what you get caught up on. So, um, with that, I'm gonna let Suda like you summarize your your points in terms of what you want to take away. And Sundar, why don't you go, and then we'll close this out. And uh, so, the the bill, by the way, is on the 13th of October. Uh, you know, I'll, you guys can reach out to make your voices heard, but mostly I just wanted the non-Brown audience to kind of know what's going on and why I personally care and the general relevance of all of this stuff. So, so go on, Suda, why don't you go? Yeah, I, I agree with Sundar's assertion that truth must be the ultimate guide to, uh, this particular, uh, SB 403 decision by the governor and truth has not had a place in the discussion. We talked about data, false data being uh, promoted as a basis of uh, this whole law, whereas the 2021 Carnegie Endowment Survey that uh, showed that uh, caste is a very minimal uh, uh, presence in the community that has not been um, highlighted or used. Actually, it's disappointing that the Senate and the Assembly did not, Assembly did more, but the Senate did not do a debate. And they could have invited the Carnegie uh, researchers to understand more. None of that stuff was done. So it was not the uh, looking for a, a truth that was, that is underlining uh, this whole uh, uh, this whole uh, campaign, and that is a sad reality. So I am just hoping that the governor sees. Uh, uh, some reason and logic in this uh, or lack of it in this and decides this is not good for California. I'm hoping he vetoes it. Or at least he throws it back to the uh, legislator and say, take the word cast out completely because it does profile one single community. And so uh, I'm hoping that happens. I, am I very confident about it? No, right? Uh, this is a this is a serious issue with a lot of people behind it and an intent on getting this done. So I ha- I I'll just say the community is coming together. We uh, regardless of our class, whatever differences we had, uh, we are coming together, standing up and showing up and writing and calling. And I would ask the community to keep doing it. To the non-Indian community, non-Hindu community, I would say learn about this particular topic. Talk to people or listen to the podcast. Understand what is reality and you know what is just speculation. So if we don't have data and if we are not using um, surveys that you can count on as you know providing valid information, then this bill is just a, a just a malicious attempt to uh, attack just a minority immigrant community. And I'm uh, hoping that Governor vetoes it. 
I'll ask him to veto it. Right. Take it away, Sundar. Yeah, sure. So uh, let me start by misquoting Martin Luther King first, right? Um, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it is never built on a foundation of lies, right? So what I mean by that is, you know, to me, what happens with the governor is it's a very short-term thing. I, I, I've always believed that when you build things on a lie, it eventually falls apart. Your, and the best thing uh, Ms. Wahab could have ever done with her political career is to simply focus on the truth. You have a young senator here with a great life in front of her to be able to do a lot of things. Here's the consequence of not focusing on the truth. Let me, let me be very direct. You have an SP 403 rushed through legislature, pushed through, pushed and shoved, and you know all of the stuff, no data whatsoever. But where did it leave us? Read the language of the bill. For God's sake, there are, there are clauses that are so far off. The ancestry clause allows you to sue on any inherited social status. That means you can sue people on wealth, height, weight, you know, title, rank, and profession. Worse, what do you have with the caste clause? Senator Wahab says we're using the United Nations definition of caste. Well, I'm sorry, that's an intellectually lazy argument. That's an argument by authority. Let's peel the definition. She defines caste as an inherited characteristic. That's roughly three to four things. Difficult to alter as restrictions on marriage, segregation, and, you know, some discrimination, if you will, right? Well, as was pointed out in the Senate, that's an extremely vague and overbroad definition. A poor man is a caste. You can't, it's a restriction to alter if you're born poor. No one's looking to marry a, a poor man. That's a restriction on marriage. Restrictions on segregation. You can't walk into a rich, uh, you know, club when you're poor, right? A poor man is a caste by SB 403. Here's, here's the worst thing. A Muslim woman is a caste. Difficult to order status. Restriction to marry. You can't marry out of Islam that easily. Uh, you know, segregation and, and even in congregation. You now have an overbroad definition that's weak, will be challenged in courts, and, you know, it's going to end up where it is. Now, why do I say this? If she took the time to read the last community consultation on caste, the UK government did exactly this, and they spent almost a year talking to 16,000 people, read that report, and they actually said this. They said, when you take a narrow thing like caste, you try to pretend that it's, you know, neutral and build a broad definition, you end up with a definition that's essentially indistinguishable from class, from feudal systems, and from a lot of stuff. And you end up with an interpretation that's weak and overbroad, right? So if we so what do we have? SB 403 has been called, and anyone can sue anybody for anything built today. And that's where we have landed up. How long will such a bill last? I have no idea. But all I can say is this, and here's the silver lining I'll stop on. If Senator Wahab cared about the truth, took the time to do community consultation, you will find so many people coming together to see, does it make sense to write a new law? We'll all be happy to participate in that objective analysis. So may the truth win. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to let it kind of fade out. But, uh, you know, you keep saying truth over and over and over and again. And, uh, you know, what I, you know, I can like hear it. Like, I don't. I haven't, you know, I haven't lived your subjective experience, you know, but I can hear your commitment to truth in your voice. And, um, you know, wherever the truth is, I will be there. That's that's my philosophy. Sometimes I, I don't really want to go there, but, you know, I will do it. <laughs> Everyone knows that I will. Um, so, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I understand you've been gone through a lot. I, I will tell the listener, um, you know, if you do what you think is true and right, 
that will give you a strength that you will, uh, you know, that you'll, that will surprise you. Um, I understand that it is easy to go along, to do the popular thing, to do the cool thing, uh, to do the thing that wins you praise, you know? Um, but you know, that's not the right thing. You know, Suda, you, you're a religious person. You know, a, a lot of my listeners are too. And, you know, whatever God or gods, whatever, um, you know, being or power you believe in, they're, you know, they don't countenance that. And, you know, we all miss, miss the mark and think uh, Sundar, you and I, we, don't, we are not believers, but um, we are human beings. And uh, there is something within us that I think uh, recognizes good and evil, right and wrong. You know, that's just in our nature of who we are. And we all miss the mark. Uh, we all fall short, but we should strive to be better. And um, in this discussion, I want us to strive to truth. I want us to strive to real justice, real equality. Uh, I want us to strive to be uh, better than what we have been in the past as individuals, as communities and nations, as I've said. And so, um, you know, listening, I know some of you uh, – listeners may wonder why is Rizzi being so parochial and, and whatnot. And this is, this is, this is a matter of perspective because you, you listen to me and you see me and these, these individuals here and you're like, Oh, they're the same. And actually uh, where we're from, we're totally different, you know? So it's, it's a matter of perspective. We're coming here uh, from different perspectives, different backgrounds, uh, different ethnicities. Uh, but, you know, to, uh, to to you, we are the same. And what we're trying to say, say is we're not the same and we're maybe not what you think we are. And, um, you know, the, the bigger message is that's a general general truth. Um, you know, we all tend to uh, view out groups uh, as flattened uh, constructions uh, that we use for our own ends. But, um, you know, the only ends of a human being is their own life and their own humanity. And, uh, you know, I, would, I do apologize for any harshness over the years that I, I myself have committed towards others. And maybe, you know, hopefully you would do the same to me and everyone else. And if we just have a little bit of humility and, you know, I have you know, open, um, if there's someone out there who's a Dalit, uh, you know, by background, not just identity, um, you know, I, I'm willing to speak to them too. Uh, Cause I, I do want to know about your experiences uh, because people have different experiences, but we're also ultimately human and um, so I think that that's the primary thing that I want to end with. And, um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know it's a little bit more personal, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, newsy than usual. But, you know, uh, I contain multitudes. <laughs> so uh, thanks for your time, uh, Suda and Sundar. And it was great talking to you. And best of luck on everything. I'll see you online. Um, I hope you have a, a good life, flourishing life. And, um, you know, more power to you to stand behind what you uh, think is the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rajiv. And I just got to say, it's been a better conversation than any mainstream media reporter that I've ever talked to. So I appreciate your candor. Yeah, I'm not here for I'm not here for um, you know clicks and all that stuff because uh, you know I mean candidly, a lot of people like what what do we click on? We click on the sensational. I don't want sensation. This is a human life. You know what I'm saying? It's your life. So I want I want to you to speak in your own terms. All right, thank you guys. Thank you, Rajiv. Thanks for that. Thank you. Whole genome sequencing is used for adults and children every day to assess risk for thousands of diseases. Orchid, a genetics company led by scientists from Stanford, is able to do this for IVF embryos. Now, instead of waiting for a diagnosis, parents can assess if their embryos have genetic variants known to cause severe conditions before their child's even born. No other tests can detect these issues so thoroughly or so early. So check them out at orchidhealth.com.
This podcast for kids. Yes.